The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and then moving on to chapter 2, verses 13 to 23, and is on page 965 of the Church Bibles. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Uh, The first part of chapter 2 tells of the visit of the Magi. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Father, help us to hear these words afresh and anew, that you may teach us of how we, as your community of faith, may live in the world, revealing your glory in our day-to-day lives. For Jesus Christ's sake we pray. 
Well, perhaps one of the unintended consequences of the feminist movement and our Me Too age is to create an existential crisis uh, for men. What are they for? How should they be? What is it that men uniquely contribute to any relationship with women? Beg your pardon? All right. <clears throat> the reading today gives us something of a positive to dwell on about uh, the fatherhood of Joseph. And men of every age would do well to reflect on it and to because being a father is not easy being a father is a God-given task and it's one which our society undervalues and it ignores and it does so at its peril Mary was visited once uh, for her task by the angel to tell her the task and destiny. Joseph was visited four times, not because he's thick, <laughs> but because he has a lead role in bringing this child into the world. Four visitations to enable him to fulfill his role that God has called him to in fathering Jesus. And the role of a father in general is to bless his family, to be and to bring God's blessing on them so that they can thrive and flourish. Above all, a father should have in mind how to bring blessing to his family. And in Matthew's Gospel, we're given that example as we're told about Joseph. Firstly, we ought to note that Joseph is chosen as a father because he is faithful to the law, we're told there in verse 19. He has God's ways on his mind and God's purposes in his heart. And it's my belief that you can only properly be a father and properly be a blessing to them if God is on your heart and on your mind. Only in God's strength, brothers, can we do and bring this blessing. Recent research says that 98% of Anglican parents think that good manners is a value that children should be taught. Do we agree with that? Yeah. yeah. But only 11% of Anglicans <clears throat> think that faith is an important value to pass on. They say the Archbishop of Canterbury was shocked to his core when he heard that. And so should we be also. Anglicans are better at failing at teaching the faith than most people. And the failure of faith starts in the failure of families to teach it. But Joseph was faithful to the law. God was on his heart and mind. And so he brought blessing 
God's blessing to his family. And the first thing he brought through this uh, blessing of the father was strength. Verse 18 tells us that Mary was pledged to be married to him. And then on finding she's pregnant, verse 19 says, he had it in mind to divorce her or dismiss her. And later on in the visit, uh, from after the visit from the angel, he took Mary home to be his wife. It's a bit confusing to our mind. It doesn't quite add up. Or were they not? Did they need a divorce or did they not? Well, the Jewish way of doing things <clears throat> was that there was a betrothal or a pledge that took place a year before the marriage, the wedding. And it needed a divorce to get out of it. So it's much stronger than our idea of engagement. But the sexual union didn't take place until after the time of a wedding the year later, when they were fully married. So it was a way of establishing a relationship between two people, not based on sex, but on the union of hearts and lives, like marriage is meant to be. But Mary, being pregnant, throws all of that into question. Surely it's grounds for divorce, and it seems that Joseph was a compassionate man. Verse 19, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Well, that's something of a strength in itself, isn't it? To endure the disappointment and the pain without recrimination or self-justification. That's a strong man in itself. But how much stronger then to go and do the opposite thing? Because he understands from the angel that it's by the Holy Spirit that she's pregnant. So he takes her home as his wife. No doubt to endure the gossip of the town and the ridicule of his peers. Was this his child? Had Mary been unfaithful? Had Joseph broken convention with her? Was he being taken for a fool? And all of this, no doubt, was the talk of the town. What strength, then, to begin his married life, making the decision that he did, to stand by Mary and to follow God's lead, even when the written law that he knew so well was against it. He needed God's strength to do it. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Do not be afraid. We had those words here this morning. Words that every father needs to hear from God if he's going to bring blessing and strength to his family. Be strong for them. Stand up for them. Verse 24 says, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and he took Mary as his wife. If there's one thing I see about our day, it's young men who are afraid to take the woman as his wife. This is what we ought to be teaching our children. Men are happy to go out with them They're happy to take them to bed 
Sometimes they're even happy to have children with them, but they are afraid to take them as their wives, to be committed to them and dedicated to their welfare. They're afraid of the cost. They're afraid of the responsibility. They're afraid of their friends' ridicule. So like I said when I spoke on the Hittite and his concubine, if there's one bit of advice that I have for our children, for our young women, it's to call the men to commitment. To call them, to test their strength and their courage. And if they won't stand up to the commitment, find another who will. Being alone is better than being with someone who won't commit themselves to your welfare. It's the case that I'm married now because of an older man who strengthened me with courage to, as he said, make an honest woman out of her. I think he was saying, make an honest man out of yourself. But it's true. Doug, his name was. Uncle Doug. Not my uncle, somebody else's. But he took me aside and he said, marry that woman. So I asked her and she did. <laughs> because commitment is the way that fathers bring the blessing of strength to their families. Joseph brought that strength to his and his son Jesus. Secondly, Joseph brought the blessing of protection to his family. See, the next time the angel visits him in the dream, there's the warning of danger, and Joseph responds immediately. Verse 14 of chapter 2. He gets up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. A decisive action to protect them. And it seems to me that for a father to protect his family, he needs two things. He needs the wisdom of God and he needs to understand the spirit of the age. The wisdom of God comes to him in the dream. When they'd gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to them in the dream, it says, verse 13. The reason that Joseph is open to receiving these angelic dreams, these prophetic inspirations, is that, as we have discovered, he is faithful to the law of God. He's a man, we have read, who has read and reread the scripture. He's tried to put them into practice all his life. He's open to the promptings of the Spirit. And the angel says to him, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. Now, he has that intuition, that visitation in the dream, but how does he know that it is from God? How does he know that this is divine wisdom that has come to him, such that he gets up in the middle of the night and leaves for Egypt? And the answer is that he understands the spirit of the age. <coughs> Herod is the king of the region. Herod has spent 40 years refurbishing and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And Joseph knows that Herod has been doing these things to strengthen his power as king, even if it is under the permission of the uh, Roman Empire. Building a dynasty, above all, 
he wanted the title King of the Jews. Joseph knows this. He understands it. He understands on He understands that there is nowhere in the region where his family are going to be safe. See, the wise men, the wise men have been to the palace and they've told Herod that they're looking. Where is the one to be born king of the Jews, they said. And then they'd found the place on the advice of the king's own advisers. It would only be a matter of time before the soldiers came because the child would be perceived, obviously, as a threat. And Egypt was the place, to the place away from the influence of Herod and his power structures. So knowing the spirit of the age, when the wisdom of God comes, he's able to make sense of it. And I think that every godly father and husband in our day needs to be able to protect his family by knowing these things. Knowing the scriptures which contain the wisdom of God and the spirit of the age in which to apply it. He must apply one to the other. And I know it's not easy. I've had two daughters over the last 28 years. It's a test and a trial. It's a test and a trial for us in our day because young people think differently to old people like me. Their brains work differently. They see the world differently. The influences on them are very different from the influences on us when we were children. How they communicate, what they do, what they think is important. Teaching them faith in a world which wants to deny faith is a real struggle. To hear the word of God, to see the world of God, that's a father's task. To know what God says and to see how to apply it in the world around. To be able to affirm the things of the world that are good and to be able to identify the things of the world which are a danger. To guard against the things that would deny the life of Jesus. The world is not all bad. Egypt provided a place where Jesus could grow in safety. And every father, every husband needs to find Egypt to foster the family faith. So there's protection. Thirdly, there's guidance. A true father brings blessing through guidance of his family. In verse 19 and verse 22, the third and the fourth time, the angel speaks to him in a dream. Herod is dead and they return to Israel. But Herod's son Archelaus, who is just as cruel and ruthless as his father, is ruling instead. But Herod's son 
uh, sorry, Joseph doesn't go to Judea on account of it. He goes north. And if we're to believe Luke's gospel, which we do, he goes to the place where he used to live in Galilee called Nazareth. You're still with me. And then in verse 23, we get this wonderful phrase, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Go through the whole of the Old Testament and all the prophets and you will never find that phrase. It's not there. It's just not there, nor anywhere else that we know of. But Matthew doesn't say it was from a prophet. He says it's from the prophets. In other words, it's a general term, not referring to a place, but a characteristic. Nazareth was a place despised by the Jews because it housed a Roman garrison. In actual fact, it was a brothel town for the Roman garrison. And the inference was that just as Nazareth was despised, so too would the Messiah be despised. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Said Nathaniel in John's Gospel. All the prophets testified that the, the Messiah would dis, be despised as a Nazarene. Be that as it may. The point is that the guidance of Joseph in bringing his son and his family to the region of Galilee enabled Jesus to fulfill all that God had destined for him. The guidance of the father meant that the son could live the life that God had planned for him. What a blessing that is from any father to release his children, to live the life in its fullness through the wise application of his guidance. My children have left home, though one of them's come back. But in the time away, perhaps more than ever, they reflected and talked between themselves as to how we as parents nurtured them, how we brought them up, how we gave them boundaries, the things we modelled to them, the values we instilled in them. They don't always agree with what we do or the way we do it or the things we think, but bless them, they have both had the grace to tell them something, tell us something of what they've really appreciated about what we've done in seeking to bless them. She's not here, so I'll tell you. Evie once said, rang us up and said, Mummy, I really want to thank you because I realise now that I'm going to have to do the washing every week <laughs> for the rest of my life. I thank you for all the times you've done it and for showing me how to do it. There were other more profound, but that was one. And it's a great joy to receive those. They still ring us up for guidance, for help, and money. <laughs> Which is given because a father's guidance is not there to control, but to release his children 
into all that God has for them, to live the life that will fulfill his purpose for them. If That must be our heart's desire. So the blessing of strength, the blessing of protection, and the blessing of guidance, that's what God saw in Joseph when he chose him to be the father of Jesus. Joseph, the faithful to the law of God, those qualities from his love of God and his ways. Amen.